This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. Today, I'm excited. I got Brian Miles with me. Brian, what's going on, buddy? How are we doing, everybody? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good to be with you. You are the uh, mental performance coach for the Cleveland Guardians. And, uh, man, 162-game schedule. You're sitting in the dugout with the players. you got a front-row seat every game. That's not too shabby. It's, uh, it's definitely a grind. I, uh, I do have to remind myself when, I, when you walk out and see these stadiums and fields in different cities that – I'm pretty damn lucky to be doing what I'm doing. So I, I check my gratitude every day on that. I'll tell you that much. That's awesome. So uh, how long have you worked with the Cleveland Guardians? Um, I believe this is about my eighth season with them. I've done uh, sort of an array of things within the organization. I came in as just a minor league mental performance coach, working with three of our minor league teams. Got to really know the players really well. Was involved in our amateur scouting process and how we draft players. Um, did that for a few years. I was our mental performance coordinator, sort of overseeing all of the, the mental performance work for our minor league systems. Um, really integrating mental performance with the other performance domains in strength and conditioning, medical, sports science, nutrition, fundamental um, and I think this is my third season with our major league team now. So okay. sort of got to see the, the development and growth of, of mental performance in the organization. And it's been, uh, it's just been a fascinating journey and ride. I'll tell you that much. That's awesome. Well, uh, tell us a little bit of the backstory if you can, because obviously you don't just wake up and uh, spend eight seasons with the major league baseball organization and, and work on the big leagues and be in the dugout every day. But kind of what's the story, you know, maybe what, what uh, from your past, what's made you the man you are today? Um, man, what's made me the man I am today. I mean, I think first and foremost, uh, a, a family is probably like my strongest value, and that was instilled from being one of four kids, um, you know, amazing parents and, uh, throwing us kids out in the back, just, you know, kicking the crap out of each other, playing soccer, uh, you know, dunking each other in the pool, doing all those things. But, um, was always an athlete, family, family members were athletes, just sort of, um, loved the competitive nature of, of competitive athletics and, um, played college soccer at a, a small division three school in New Jersey. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about it on other podcasts, so people can tune into it as on somewhere else, but you know, missed a penalty kick in, in an NCAA tournament game, um, had sort of a, uh, a, a realization that that my mental game was was maybe not where it needed to be and ended up going to grad school for that. Um, and I think it was at that point that I started to become really fascinated with 
how our mind can truly dictate our physiological performances and how our mind can impact the choices that we make. Um, it was it was at that time that I, I really started to understand that each choice that we make will dictate the next choice that we make. Um, and there is some major power in that when you start to understand it. And so, um, you know, went through grad school, um, ended up working for the United States Army for uh, about three or four years doing mental performance work with soldiers and uh, and transitioned into baseball. And I think as I've gotten more into this work, I've become more and more fascinated with the human potential. I just think there is so much there to discover and to learn and to lean into. And I just, people don't recognize the potential that the brain has for them to be their best version of themselves. And and honestly, that, that I think is like my crusade. It's like, how do we open up this world, this incredible world that people can see by unlocking the potential of their mind. And I think that's, that's my journey that I'm on. Yeah, that's incredible, man. So I, I, I'm curious when you think about, you, you said you work with soldiers, you obviously work with baseball field. We talked a little bit before recording how all this all applies to business as well. Right. So, you know, in my world, wealth management, we work with, you know, whether it's doctors or business owners, uh, attorneys, athletes, uh, whoever. Um, I, I agree. I think the exact same thing that what we can apply to the baseball field can also be applied to the boardroom. And I assume to the soldiers as well. So when you hear that, what comes to mind for you that can kind of go across all three of those platforms? Yeah. And I, I mean, Everything we talk about in the world of mental performance is transferable. It's pervasive across your life. It's not just meant for baseball players. Um, it is like like we talked about. It's meant for for the boardroom. It's meant for um, you know the the operating room. It's meant for you at home as a parent. Um, I mean, I think some of the things that I've seen as as consistent across the world um, in high performance is you know. I think hard work is the prerequisite to success and to failure. Um, I, I have not met a true, true high that doesn't believe that hard work is the way that they get to where they get to. And that it's, it's not, it's not just a direct correlation to success, but there's failure that comes after hard work too. I think that's oftentimes the hard pill to swallow because a lot of people will work hard. But when they fail, they no longer work hard because they expect success from hard work. And I yeah. think that the ones that have been been really incredible in what they do, they work so hard and then they fail. And then, like I said, each choice they make will dictate the next choice they make. And they choose to continue to work hard. And then they, they experience that success. I think that's the difference that we see. Um, because I tell you what, there's a lot of people that work hard out there. And then they hit that failure and then they say, wait, I, I, I did what I did what everyone asked me to do. I did the hard work, but I, I failed. So that, you know, why, why work hard anymore? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. I call it the bounce back theory. I call it the bounce back theory to where mm -hmm. I think the most successful people I've seen in my career of doing this for 20 plus years in the wealth management space, but also just studying people is you get defeat, you get failure, whatever you want to call it. The people that bounce back the quickest are the ones that if what I've seen has had the most success. Do, do you see, do you see that as well in your world? Absolutely. It's, um, I mean, baseball is a game of failure and hmm. these players fail 
a ton on a national stage. Again, like I understand that it's frustrating for them. I understand it's hard and difficult. I think that's okay. I think it's okay to experience those emotions and experience uh, those feelings. And then it's, what do you do with it? What do you do with those feelings, with those emotions? What do you do with the frustration and the anger? Um, do you let it consume you? Do you let it impact your next at bat or your next pitch? Do you sit down and really sort of like understand what's at the core of it? And like I said, you make the next choice. And I've watched people who will fail and their next choice is to be consumed by that failure and they give up their next at bat or they you know, start to have things snowball with them on the field. Um, I think we see that a lot. And I think the ability to be able to take the information that you've received from this failure, like what you said, a way to bounce back. It's, it's not pretty. It's not, it doesn't taste good going down. That is okay. I'm not asking you to enjoy the taste of it. I'm asking you to swallow and grind. Yeah, that's uh, the grind, man. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's also, I think in baseball too, you see it all the time is a guy makes an unbelievable defensive play and it always happens to be the guy coming up next, right? Gets the third out, jumps the wall, saves it, comes up. And then what happens? They usually do something successful at the plate, right? And I think we can do that in business as well, right? You can have a good call and then it's what you do with it. Don't go home. Don't just, hey, that was a great one. Try to have another one and then try to have another one. And I think that's an important part of that is that visualization, the timing, whatever it may be. So when you think about a, a hitter or, or a business person that's maybe in a slump, Maybe they're in a sales career, they're in a slump. Maybe they're in a hitter and they're, they're you know, 0 for the last 16. What's the process for you? What, what kind of performance habits can you walk us through that you can help those people? You mentioned, uh, you, you kind of actually tuned in some of the language. I think sort of maybe two components to it. Simplify things. Go back to the simple things that you know. And then most importantly, control the things that you can control and you mentioned habits, but for us, you know, we, I mean, we call them routines here in baseball. It is like, what can you control throughout the day? And, you know, that's, that's the interesting thing about baseball, right? I mean, we have a seven o'clock game tonight. We'll show up at the field at one o'clock today and you're there, right? You're, you're engaging in your, your pre-work, you're engaging in your routines in the training room in the, in the weight room, you go out, you hit batting practice, you take infield, you, you do outfield, like you do all this work before the game, you go into the cages and, and you're there, right? I mean, you're there for like seven hours, you know, before you even yeah. play a three hour baseball game, you control a ton of that. And I think people get into slumps when they put their, energy, effort, and intent into things that are outside of their control. And they're putting all of their, their energy into those things. You want to you take back control, put your energy, effort, and intent into things that you can manage, touch, influence, and control. That, I think, is one of the quickest ways to sort of get out of sort of those, those slumps or those valleys that you're in or sort of that down period is you really double down on, I can, I can touch this. I can influence this, I can control this, and I'm going to actively choose to put my energy into this. 
Um, I think that's one of the most powerful ways to get out of those things. And, and we lose sight of it. Everyone does. Everyone does. Um, but, but when you, when you really hone back in on those things, it's, it's actually quite freeing. And I think that's what you need to get out of those. You need to feel free again. Yeah. I think it's great that you said simplify things because I, I think, and I've probably done it in, in my past as well is that when, when we are in this quote unquote slump or when things aren't going well, we actually probably, uh, I think our brain wants to make things even more fuzzy, right? I think like li- literally physically, we try to make things more complicated than to simplify it. We look for that shiny new toy, that new thing, right? That's going to help us get out of this slump. And I love what you said by simplify it. So talk to us more about that, just to simplify it and the breaking it down and going back to the normals. I, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I've had this conversation quite a bit. It's like, like we talk about like identifying what's in your control. And then, I mean, even so, I mean, a great example is just like, even for a hitter, you know, most hitters, not most, the majority of hitters go up there, <laughs> not trying to hit a home run. Right. So if you're up there and I'm like, I'm trying to hit a home run, I'm trying to hit a home run. Typically you, you probably won't hit a home run. But right. It's fascinating when you when you kind of talk to guys when they when they are successful and when they are doing well, which by the way is like I think one of the most important things in mental performance. I think sometimes it gets skewed, right? It's like, oh, this guy's slumping, go talk to the mental performance coach, or oh, this guy's struggling in business, go talk to the to the you know performance coach, or this guy's doing really poorly, go talk to them. I'm all about when you're at your best, go talk to them. Go go tell them what's going on with your thoughts, with your your emotions, the way that you're going about your day, go, go give me the recipe for you as success. So in the event that you find that slump or you find yourself struggling, guess what? We sort of have that recipe for you to be able to get out of it. And so tying it back to, you know, guys hitting home runs, a lot of times when you ask somebody after they hit a home run, they're like, Hey, like, what were you trying to do? They'll tell you like, Oh, I was just trying to go the other way. Or, Oh, I was just trying to hit a hard line drive up the middle. Right. They, they are literally thinking so simply of like, Oh, I'm just trying to slap the ball up the middle. I'm just trying to hit a hard line drive. Like that's what I'm trying to do. Hard line drive. And all of a sudden, right. They're very simple thoughts and simple movements. And it becomes this thing where they hit the home. And I think back to those messages of themselves, it's, it's easy to fall into it. Right. It's easy where, you know, maybe you do that a couple of times and you don't see success. And you want to go back to a big swing and you want to go back to doing something that maybe, you know, isn't far. And like you said, right, the shiny new thing or the quick fix or, I mean, my favorite, right? Go on Twitter, go on Instagram. Everything's a hack now. Oh, the, the hack to oh, yeah. happiness, the hack to, um, you know, uh, six pack abs in, in, in five days. Mental toughness. There, there are no hacks in life. There are zero hacks in life. You want, you want to be better, work hard. You want to get stronger, go to the gym every single day, wake up, put your feet on the floor, get after it. You want to do great in business. You want to do great in baseball, grind, work hard, get better, find people around you that are doing phenomenal and ask them how they do it and then do more and do better and do more and do better. And then guess what? It never ends. You don't ever just reach the peak and it's all better. It never, ever happens. And I think that's the difference between high performers. They, they realize there is no perfect end state and they are just going to go and go and go. And that's the difference between the elite and the really good and the average and the below average. Yeah. And I think it's funny. I took my kids, I've got four boys and we went, we went golfing yesterday and I said to them the, the thing I love about sports and I'm biased cause I'm a, I'm a golfer, grew up golfing and, and, 
I said, so we'll just pick on golf for a second. I said, you, you know, we pay for this, right? My kids are getting mad, right? They expect to be Tiger Woods when they hardly ever play golf, you know, but they, and they get mad, they're competitive. I said, isn't it funny? I said, boys, we pay for this, right? We pay to go be mad for four hours. You can be right. I said, but we got to enjoy it. And you have to understand this is why the game is created. So whether again, if it's the business boardroom or, or the golf course is know the game you're playing, understand it, respect it and know you're never going to be perfect and you're never going to bat a thousand, right? You're never going to get hole in one on every hole and just play the game you're playing. And I do this with my eight year olds. I'll be coaching them tonight at six o'clock when you, you, you're with the big boys in Houston uh, with the Astros. I'll be with the eight year old Fallon predators here tonight. But we talk about that. You know, some of them at that age, they start to cry a little bit. if They strike out. It's like the best guys anymore. 2.8 to three times out of 10, they're getting a hit, right? So seven times out of 10 for a Hall of Fame career, you're getting out. But I think we sometimes don't think of it that way. Absolutely. You know, I think, um, I mean, especially for, for, for young kids, I also love that you're talking about golf. Um, there, may be some, there may be some videos floating around in the, uh, in the Cleveland Guardians coaching staff of, uh, of the mental performance coach getting a little frustrated on the golf course and not <laughs> practicing what he preaches very much. But, you know, you're right. It's, it's frustrating. I think we don't um, – we, we expect perfection every turn. We expect things to go well. We expect this, and it's – um, there is, there's a lot of expectation in our world today because everything is at our fingertips. And I think we've lost a bit of that. You know, you talked about the Brian and we've lost a bit of that, of what it takes to actually achieve that. And I think the other part is it's like I mentioned at, the, at our fingertips, is we, we assess at our fingertips, right? So go on Twitter and you'll, and you'll see Tiger Woods and Rory and these guys and these unbelievable shots, Right. But what you're not seeing is like the shanks that they still hit, right? Like that, those are the things that I love seeing, right? I love seeing the shanks that they hit. And it's like, um, you know, I follow a lot of golf meme pages and it's like, they show those, right? Of like the average golfer shanking a ball. And then you see a professional golfer shanking a ball. And I think that the, the humanization of that is what, what helps. But you know how it is, right? At golf, you hit a great shot and you're like, that. that's what keeps you coming back because you know you have that potential. And I think for us, it's just how focused are you every single day? And I think for your young baseball players too, you know, normalizing professional athletes and what they go through and the struggles they go through and the fact that they probably do get out way more than seven out of 10 times. And that's okay because they're learning from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So let's talk about the golf more. Let's keep, let's stay there. And one, I'd love to see the video of you getting fired up. That'd be awesome. But, uh, so think about it yesterday. You have, you have two things that happened yesterday. You had a guy that was right. Could go in, make par or bogey, which he's done a million times in his life wins a champion, a major championship, right? Collapses on the last hole. You got another guy. You talked about the shanks. Justin Thomas said he's never shanked a ball on a Sunday in a major and still won the major, right? So here he was. I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but I mean, it was brutal. I mean, dead right shank. Um, talk to us. What advice, if you were the caddy for the guy, and I, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, uh, um, but the guy that, that kind of blew it on the last hole, what advice would you be giving that guy uh, in the moment? I mean, I. I you know, again, I, I think it's it's a bit about keeping it simple. Um, you know, something that's that's interesting too is we've we I don't think we as a society 
understand what happens to us when we experience these moments of what what society deems pressure. You know, I mean that that's let's let's not sugarcoat it, right? That's that's a pressure-filled moment for that individual, for that golfer, right? Pressure-filled moment. And and your pressure-filled moment might be going in on, on a call or going into a board meeting for a pitch or going in for an operating room or going up to at bat or whatever it is, right? Like giving a speech. Um, we don't talk about what happens to us. And I, I, I've realized that part of my job in our organization, both both with the major league group, but also like as, as, a, as an organization in mental performance, is describing to our players and our coaches and our entire staff about what's happening to us when we experience pressure. And I think the one of the key words that I, I always talk about is this tension we experience, right? So anyone listening to this and, and yourself can like, you could think back to like that big speech I gave or that big keynote or the the big pitch I gave or the, the whatever, the job interview. And, and we feel, we feel a bunch of things, right? It's kind of hard to remember how we think, right? It's really hard to remember our thoughts. It's very easy to remember how I felt that day, right? I was, oh my God, I was shaking. You know, I was drenched in sweat. I felt like my, I had cotton mouth, right? Or like, oh my, I felt sick to my stomach. I felt butterflies. All of these experiences are happening to us. The thing that we don't talk about enough is why those things are happening. And, and this is what I talk to our players about quite a bit. Let me, let me tell you about why those things happen, okay? So when we're going to do something very important to us, something that, that our brain deems as like, wow, hey, we've got something going on right here. Like we need, to, we need to mobilize resources. Our brain immediately enacts a bunch of sort of systems and processes to help us with that. So what it does is it, it's like, okay, something's happening. We need to mobilize resources. So it shuts down our digestive system because digestion takes up a lot of energy. And so we need to mobilize resources in our energy. So it shuts it down. So what happens is, is it flushes everything out of our digestive system. And that creates a change in acid reduction in our stomach, which is the feeling of butterflies. It also flushes everything out. So maybe the feeling like I have to go to the bathroom or I feel like I'm going to dry heave or puke is because it's flushing everything out. We get them out because we don't need saliva anymore to like, you know, put food down. So all of a sudden we turn off our saliva sort of systems and we have the feeling and sensation of cotton mouth. You get really shaky because the messaging from our like neurons firing back and forth down our spine to like go really fast and move really fast because our brain wants us to be able to do that. It, it's sending messages faster. So we start to shake a little bit. We sweat because we perform at an optimal temperature and our body is oftentimes trying to cool us down because we might be overheating because we're so ready and amped up about this. So let me add, right? So those things happen to tons of people. Society though says, hey, if you have butterflies, it means you're not ready. Hey, if you're shaking, it means you're not prepared. Hey, if you're sweating, it must mean that you didn't do enough work and you're, and you're freaking out about what's happening. I say, my body is priming me to kick ass right now. Yeah. Hey, things are happening because I'm ready to perform. So that's my very <laughs> a roundabout answer of like, I'm explaining about why these things happen to us. I mean, honestly, you talked about having kids. I mean, I've got kids too. Like, think about all the times, like whatever, first presentation they give in school yeah. or first concert they go to and they get really nervous. Imagine being able to actually explain to them why those things happen. 
or any player that makes their major league debut and you're like, hey, just FYI, when you step on the mound, a lot of guys have talked about how they can't they can't feel their legs. They, li- yeah. they literally can't feel their legs. Or, hey, like if you're shaking, I just want you to know like this is probably why that's happening. Or, oh, like, hey, you feel sick to your stomach? This, this is why. It's because your, your body's primed for you to kick butt, man. Like just we're reinterpreting it. Yeah. So I think embracing it, right? Embrace the suck. Embrace that part of it. And I think it was Tiger Woods. He said it like probably, gosh, 15, 20 years ago. He said, they said, when would you be done? He said, when I show up to the first tee and I don't have butterflies, right? That, that's when you're done. I mean, and some of the greatest, right? I mean, the greatest athletes, you hear Michael Phelps talk about it. I mean, those, those butterflies drive us. And so when, when, when you hear the words visualization and breathing, what comes to mind for you? Um... So I oftentimes switch out the word visualization with the word imagery um, because visualization is a connotation that only vision, like only the, the sight and seeing is the only uh, you know, sense that we'll use. I like the idea of imagery because imagery is inclusive of all of the senses. And mm. when I think about imagery visualization, um, what comes to mind is that uh, pictures and images are the fundamental language of our brain. So we, we think in pictures and the more opportunities that you have to see the pictures in your mind that you want to see, the more comfortable it is. That's why we preach and talk about imagery so much in baseball is because we want players to see themselves being successful. We want players to see themselves doing what they want to do. And the more that you do that, the more comfortable you are in those situations because your brain sees the image and you're like, oh, I've been here before. I've done this. And it creates less tension, right? Makes us feel more loose. And there is so, so much power in that. so that, that's what I think about with when I think about visualization and imagery. And um, I think breathing, uh, <laughs> breathing is the most underutilized tool in human yeah. beings uh, in general. It's not, it's not a high performance thing. Breathing is the most underutilized tool in society today, I think. Uh, it's just the benefits of a quality, emphasis, quality, deep breath is is so powerful and when i say quality i mean if i ask most people to take a deep breath you will see their upper chest and shoulders move like this and all of a sudden you realize man i'm breathing very much from my rib cage or my favorite is the shoulder breath where you're like hey take a deep breath and they do a shoulder shrug (laughs) yeah and you realize like we we have stopped breathing how we're supposed to breathe. You want to know how to breathe correctly? Go watch a baby breathe. Like literally go, go find a, if, well, go find, watch a baby breathe and you'll realize it, it comes straight from the belly. True, unadulterated belly breath. So a great way to test this is if you want to take a real quality breath, put one hand on your chest and one hand on your stomach and you take a deep breath out and you want your bottom hand to move more than your top hand. And when you do that, you're taking a quality, deliberate breath from your belly and you experience the unbelievable benefits of it when you do it in a way that's consistent. You know, you have um, quality decision-making, sort of more creativity, 
Um, it obviously like loosens up tension in your body, helps you think more clearly. Um, I think breathing should be a practice that every school does, that every you know meeting starts with. I mean, I just feel like it should be more pervasive in this country, in this world that we do. And unfortunately, yeah. it's, it's one of the most underutilized things. Yeah. I mean, I agree hundred percent. I mean, I, I know, and I do, I, I've learned that over the years too, is that the belly versus your chest. I mean, it, it lowers your blood pressure, man. It lowers your heart rate. I mean, it, it does so many great things for you. And people probably hear me talk about breathing all the time on here, but whether it's breathing meditation, whatever you want to call it, you would confirm for me who, uh, you know, Brian miles who works for, uh, as a mental performance coach for a major league baseball team, breathing is critical not a sign of weakness that we're going to meditate or breathe, but it is critically important for anybody's success. 100%. Yeah. It, it's, it's not, it's not even just, I mean, it's not just about the highest 1% performers. It's about the, the mother who just went to the grocery store with three kids and is exhausted from not sleeping and pulls into the driveway and all three kids are passed out in the car asleep and she has three minutes to herself in the car yeah and knows that she's about to go into chaos it's like it's 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 meant for you. it's also meant for the guy stepping up in the bottom of the ninth inning in the World Series of Game 7 with a chance to win the game. Um, breathing does not discriminate, and the power of it is just incredible. So I just um, I can't say enough good things about it. And, you know, the great thing about technology is, like, you can be taught how to breathe now on YouTube. Um, on, on the Peloton app has meditation apps, Headspace, Calm, you name it. You can find it. So if you're unsure of how to do it, um, like please, like you know, Google it and and find it on YouTube. Um, you know, Headspace, any pedicle, like incredible stuff there. I mean, it's just um, the Peloton app. I always say that my wife and I have a Peloton, and we we uh, she meditates every night with it with with the Peloton app, and it's 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 incredible. It just it's so good, and so it's it's out there, and I just I cannot encourage it enough. Yep. I was with uh, a DT this morning on the Peloton app on my back porch about 5.15 this morning doing my meditation. So I'm with him, and I used Headspace uh, forever. He's awesome, and uh, but I use the, the Peloton one as well because it is, man. It's just it, For me, it allows me to slow down you know, and kind of catch that breath and, and just kind of get the day started right. So, um, so our, our firm's mission statement is helping people achieve a future greater than your past. So when you hear that uh, future greater than your past, what's that, what's that mean to you? One, it's a great mission statement. I love that. <laughs> Thank um, you. Uh, I think that, I think it's about optimism and gratitude, honestly. I think it's about, um, we, you know, we all have a past and I think that when we, when we sit back and, and, and reflect a bit on it and realize where you've been, that it can be an, an awesome, um, predictor of maybe where you're going to go. And if yeah. you don't like where you've been, it's a, a great opportunity to change where you want to go. And, uh, I think that there's optimism in both of those statements. And, you know, the idea that you can change and the idea that you can grow and learn, like 
that excites me. And I think that's the part that sometimes gets me is, is people don't believe that. People, people feel stuck and people feel like this is the way things will always be. And that's, that's hard, man. You know, that's, it's, that's hard to hear sometimes. And I think like the way that your guys' mission statements laid out is um, there's, there's respect for the past, but there is so much excitement and, and gratitude and optimism for where people can go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you got people that come from bad past, good past, right? I mean, I, that's what I love about the, the human uh, spirit, if you will, is that you can have somebody that was homeless and they go to Harvard. You can have somebody that came from money and went to Harvard. You can have somebody that came from money that does nothing. And somebody that, you know, came from nothing and does nothing. I mean, the, the, the parallels are just, you, you can't put your finger on exactly what's going to make that person shine. Right. Um, but I think there's so many to, to use your words earlier, simplify things. If you can have these four or five bullet points, right. If you can just focus on those, control the controllables, do them day in and day out, even when you don't want to do it, that's, what's going to make you successful long-term. Absolutely. I mean, that, that is the idea that purpose wins against pleasure every single time mm. because those that have purpose will always come back to those things and they will choose purpose over pleasure. All right. Sorry there. I thought I lost you there for a second. We'll edit that part out, but man, I couldn't agree more, man. Purpose wins against pleasure every time. I mean, purpose driven people show up. They're the ones changing the world. Yeah. And, uh, you look at Elon Musk, whether you like him or not like him, it's, I think he said he sold all of his houses. He's doing all these things cause he's got this big purpose. He's got to go out and do. So, um, where do our listeners find more of Brian miles? Oh, you can, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, I think it's Brian C miles on Twitter. Um, I have an Instagram as well. Um, we have, um, I'm lucky enough to have a YouTube show out called The Mindset Show, in which uh, myself um, and two other mental performance coaches, Lauren Johnson and Justin Sua, uh, we discuss topics within the world of, of mental performance, fun things, fun questions, where we, we flush out some ideas, we do agreements, uh, we talk about you know what high performance looks like as a, a parent, as a as mental performance coaches uh, in, in the world of sports. And it's just sort of a, a, a fun conversation amongst colleagues. And, you know, we're so proud of that show. And, and you can find that on YouTube, um, you know, the mindset show. And you can also find us on Instagram. It's uh, the underscore mindset show as well. Awesome, man. Well, we'll send people that way. You tell Justin, I said, hello. He was on the show probably, gosh, four years ago. And, and I'll never forget, man, he used a quote that I still use to this day. He said, dominate the level you're at. And I thought that was a really strong mm. one because uh, it, it, it's so true. Whether if you're in the single A, right, let's use baseball. If we're in single A, go dominate being a single A baseball player, right? Don't try to be the, the third hitter on the Major League Baseball team when you're in single A. Dominate the level you're at and then keep growing. Uh, I could not agree more. I think a lot of times we, uh, we're, we are not present. And, um, you know, I think being where your feet are is so powerful and, and most importantly, you can't change the past and you can't predict the future, but you can influence the here and now. And, um, you know, I think the best performers, they make that choice that they're going to gonna influence right here, right now. Amen to that, Brian. Thanks so much for being on the circuit of success, man. It's good being with you. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me. 
Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.